right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and... All right, okay, what is going on? Sims and Lefko, episode 70. How are you feeling? Do you have a 70 for Well, me? I mean, I know you don't. You're struggling. I just wrote one down. All right, well, did you write Sam Huff? I wrote down Jim Marshall. Oh, okay, Jim Marshall. That's a good one. Are you sure it's Jim Marshall? I, I can't. Okay. I, I can't Go ahead, look at that. Right, Sam Huff is certainly one. Sam Huff is the 70. Right, and then uh, I would go to my dad. Yeah, had, Jim Marshall. It 70. was Jim Marshall, yeah, the pure, purple people eaters. Yes. Uh, and then I had a 70, Leonard Marshall, uh, one of the great defensive linemen on my dad's team back in the 80s. So those are my 70s. You're just living off your pops. Right? I am living off. The- All right, let's go to uh, <laughs> Fendrick. Oh, he's oh, sorry. not here. Oh, oh, sorry. So sorry. Fendrick, we're so sorry not to see you here. Yeah. I'm so pissed at Fendrick. He cut off the best part of the podcast last week. Fendrick, yeah, we had a we talked about his living situation with his roommates. He got a little bit upset. Right. And he cut out of the podcast. Yeah, that's not all cool. we're going to say about not it. Not cool. Uh, but it's on Facebook Live, so go check it out on Facebook, on Bleacher Report Facebook right now. It's still Control there. Room, Good. Jake holding it down. Michelle, Bruffo. Hey, what's up? We got Mike in Whoa, the back. Oh, the three amigos. Hey, good lean in there, Mike. Uh, we got a really cool guest today, and we're going to get to him in a little bit. Uh, his name is Dr. Jonathan Fader. He's got this book right now, Life as a Sport. He's a clinical psychologist, life as sport, excuse me, clinical and sports psychologist. I'm excited because we get into the minds of athletes all sure. the time. Right. And this is a guy that professionally gets into the yes, minds of right. athletes. And I have a lot of questions just about sports going on. One of the main ones being Kevin Durant. KD. I have not talked to you. Yeah. Uh, what do you? What was your reaction when you heard the news? How did you find out? And what do you think? I was. Uh, I thought there was no way he would go anywhere. I you really did. I thought he would stay with Oklahoma City. Certainly did. Uh, I, I was actually just sitting at home. Was that Sunday when that broke? Uh, uh, it was July fourth. It, was, yeah, it was Monday. I was sitting at home and the breaking news came on. I mean, literally on the bottom of the screen, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I could yeah. not believe it. I was in shock. Uh, you know, listen, you know me. Because everyone right now, I'm hearing people going, he's not a competitor, he's not man enough. Charles Barkley coming out and saying he's taking the, the easy way to the rings. Yeah, listen, I, I don't really necessarily love all that talk. I, I guess we're, I, it always goes back to LeBron for me with this conversation, where I go, I just want everybody to be as critical as Kevin Durant as they were LeBron and they James. Are right now. Are they, you think? Yes. I don't know if it's quite to that they're level. Actually but being, they're actually being harsher on Durant because they're saying that this team is better than the Heat team back it's not then. Even close. 73 and right. 9. Three of the top maybe 12 players sure. in the NBA. Right. They're harder on him. Right. But we'll keep going with your team. Yeah, well, I, I think that's exactly what it is. They should be harder on him. It, it's, it's, it, I mean, if we're going to talk about, oh, LeBron uh, it was a scapegoat going down to Miami and orchestrating that team. First of all, it was a team that never played together, and he orchestrated the whole thing in general along with Dwayne Wade. So they got together. This is a team, like you said, they've been there. They've done that. They don't really need Kevin Durant they've to win another championship. championship. Right. I mean, they really blew it this year, really. Uh, so it is. it does seem a little crazy to me. Uh, I'm really going to be interested to what see how it works. What about as the competitor? As someone who's played sports, if you were in the in the NBA right now, would you look at it and go, man, that's some BS? Or would I, you go, oh, I kind of want to play for that I, team? I, I don't look at it as wrong. I, see, I think where we all got to break out of this mold is, you know, okay, yeah, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson got lucky that a team and a GM drafted them and were willing to put a ton of money yeah. and stars around them. So – now, if you're stuck on a team and that organization doesn't do that, you're just supposed to sit there and be, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be true to the city. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to try to build a winner here. 
Well, that's just not possible always. So I'm not mad at him for going there and trying to further along his career. I I guess I just want to see the haters hate on him as badly as LeBron. I have ne- like I, you know me. I'm Mister. Why is everyone freaking out about right. this? It's not a big deal. Right. I am so happy that Durant went to the Warriors because I think we get to see something that in our generation we might never see it again. They right. might change that collective bargaining agreement to where you will never get four players like this. I'm excited to watch this team all year. Yeah, I I'm am excited too. to figure out how teams defend it. I'm excited when teams figure it out and then they have to adjust. I would like to see how are they going to defend. I mean, they still have a problem down low. That's what I'm going to say. You got Durant and Curry. Zaza Pachulia who, ain't fixing everything. I mean, Durant at the end of the Golden. State series was a was a problem on the defensive end, yes. and then of course Curry was in the finals. But my my big thing in all of this, and is there enough balls to go around? Yeah, it's there's right. a lot. There, it's really cool, and I. It's a one-year deal. If you deal. told me that I could be on a team, that they could afford me at that level to play on that team, what an incredible experience. I get it. What a cool moment. Now I will say this: I've read a lot of articles to right. make sure I'm not on the wrong side of this. Right. When you look back at the things he said over the last few years in his MVP speech, the grass isn't always greener. I want to stay here for a long time. When he the, said things about LeBron when, LeBron, when he Heat made team the, went together, right. it's like, wow, these guys are doing this. That's a little bit ridiculous. Right. He's taken shots. Yes, he and has. that's when I look back and go, okay, like I know every man should have a code, and you shouldn't be upheld to every word you say. Right. But it's kind of you, you were so critical of everyone else along the way, um, and I also look at it and go. He doesn't know if Westbrook was going to stick around. He could have signed the one-year yeah. deal. But this is an opportunity that could evaporate in a second. And I'm excited to have Jonathan here because the expectations are going to be really high. Right. And when you start talking about high expectations with world. athletes, everyone says it's easier. This could be a really tough process that, that's for that I, team. We, we next, always give LeBron credit on the other side because we go, everybody expects him to be in the finals every year, and yes. he does that. That's a, there's a lot to be said about that. My other question with this whole process is when you see some of these contracts for these guys, oh. what does it do for you? I, I sent you the one graphic. I mean, Mike Conley is getting $153 million. Oh, is it Brady, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers together equal Conley? Conley's less con- than Conley. Yeah, uh, and I say, look, that's you know, the the sport and the TV contracts and all that. But as an athlete, do you get upset by it? Do you think it's a joke? Do you think they deserve it? I never get upset, but I do think they need to find some other ways for, especially the NFL elite, to be paid uh, a little Higher, bit more, yeah. like the mainstream superstars in basketball and baseball. Uh, I do think that. I don't think NFL players get upset about it, but I think NFL players in this day of the media and everything are growing knowledge that, hey, the NFL makes more money than basketball, baseball, and hockey combined. Yeah, why aren't we seeing – Yeah, why aren't we – and I understand it's a 53-man roster, and you'll never make as much as baseball or basketball. Right. But uh, I do think that gap has to be cho- uh, closed. I think they got to get rid of the franchise tag in the NFL. they got to find to do what the yeah, NBA does gonna, with the birds right. they yeah, got to find a way. Gonna, but the NFL is going to say they just lost Kevin Durant in a small market – and the, re- the way you can keep a Von Miller or a Josh Norman or one of these guys is the franchise tag. That's been their solution for that. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I don't know if i necessarily buy that. I mean, I think Von Miller or, or, or most guys want to stay where they yeah. are anyways. They've established their career in a certain place. Uh, football's a little different than basketball. One guy can't swing the pendulum oh. where you can go, oh, now he's on that team? They're a contender. Right. Like, it's, just, it's harder in football altogether. Uh, I think the other thing, too, going back just to the Durant thing that I find interesting you know, with the parallels to the LeBron and Heat thing. I mean, Oklahoma City 
I mean, this might have been the best team he could have ever had in his career with Oladipo. I mean, how can you not like Billy Donovan and the way Russell Westbrook yes. played? That's what's interesting. But the money, regardless, was amazing. I mean, the fact that Mozgov got four years, $64 million from the Lakers – I mean, and yet Matthew Cam Delavidova, Chancellor. Matthew Delavidova got $38 million. That's what I mean. And there Guaranteed. we go. Right, right. And we got guys like Michael Bennett and stars in the NFL who are making 5 or $6 million a year, and their Risking career their is going to last three more years, yes. and they're going to make no more money. The last thing I'm going to say about Duran, then we're going to bring in Dr. Fade. Doctor, bring in the doctor. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say is we blame Durant for ring chasing right. when all we talk about in the media yes. is how many rings you have. Right. And then we go, why would they do this? Right. Well, because all we know is that Jordan's got six, Kobe's got five, right. Russell's got 11. Right. We all know those numbers. And why? Because nobody wants to be Patrick Ewing. No one wants to be, no one wants to be 30, 40 years from now speaking in front of people and going, so do you ever wish you got a ring? Right. You don't want to hear that question the rest of your life. No. And if you win one, and the, the interesting thing is, too, is how often do we care this, compare this Warriors team to the Bulls team? We're not even going to make that comparison next year. No, you're this not. This team is supposed, supposed to be, to be the greatest team right. of all time. Right. That, and then the, the 72 win thing is not even a discussion anymore. This team. I'm rooting against them. I know that. Oh, well, all of America. Oh, will good. Be. I'm, who, I'm, I'm rooting, for, rooting for the Cleveland Cavaliers I'm and whoever's Because you know that goals. I like to root for history. <laughs> yeah. I like to root because in my lifetime, 40, 50 years from now, someone's going to say, what was that team like? Well, and you're rooting go, for them, you're saying? I'm rooting for the Warriors. You're rooting for them. Absolutely. Jeez, just bleh, make me want to puke with that crap. Well, let's clean it up <laughs> with the doctor. And here he is. You asked for the doctor, and he has arrived. Dr. Jonathan Fader, thank you so much for coming in. Are you kidding? It's a total pleasure to we be here. We were just talking about this. You're allowed one curse. Yeah. So whenever you want to use it, go for it. And he's comfortable dang, cursing. Dang. Dang. That doesn't count. Come on. I'll work up to it. I'll You'll work up, up to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll break in. You guys got to warm it up a little bit. Right. I'll drop some well, yeah. uh, So later. we were just talking about Durant and basketball, and we love to get into the mind. So we've had Ryan Holiday on here before, and that was super excited. That's actually Ryan's how the we, man. That's actually how we connected with you. He yeah. was like, you got to check out this doctor. And I was like, all right, let's get him on the podcast. Durant and that move. The thing that I'm fascinated about, and we were talking about this, I've covered a few teams. I covered a Louisville football team that was supposed to go undefeated, and I thought that season was actually miserable for them. I know that the Patriots, when they were going undefeated, I felt like all the fun was sucked away. Sure. When you're expected to win a championship and those expectations are so high, it's almost about avoiding losing instead of enjoying winning. And I'm curious from like the actual doctor perspective, what could you say? Do you have you ever experienced teams that went through that kind of mind fuck? Oh no a, question. I mean, like the real interesting thing about this is one of the biggest uh, profound things that affects how athletes play is their expectancy, mm. what they expect right. to do. Right. What you think you're going to do, you likely do, and you know whatever athlete shows up that day is a result of how you think about yourself. So. If you've got input that you're supposed to be great, and, and that expectancy actually takes away from your own confidence because you feel like, oh, i got to match these other people's expectations. Yeah, yeah, right. now, it can really take you out of the game. I mean, you know this from you know, being a professional. Definitely. And so really what you work on with a team like that is to create an environment where those expectations are completely irrelevant. Right. Mm. You need to train to prepare for that as sort of another adversity. It's almost like facing a third opponent. Yeah, right? Right. It's like you're a team that you're facing, and then you've got these expectancies. That's got to be exhausting. Oh, my God. Well. It is if you don't have the tools. 
Okay. It's exhausting if you're an athlete or a team or a bunch of coaches and you don't have the tools right. to prepare for that adversity. If you're right. walking in there and you're like, oh man, you know, because you're in these locker rooms, you're in a clubhouse, you're there, the TV is telling you what you're supposed to think. Yes. You're there, you know right. this. And you can't They're shut talking off. about you. So where, where, so in a situation like this with Durant and everything, now expectations, like Lathko said, we don't expect them to win the championship. We expect them to maybe be the best team ever, right? Yes. Win the championship, you, maybe win 82-0. You, you as a sports psychologist and everything, what, what, what is the... Well, the first the thing you would say to a guy like Kevin Durant if you knew he was maybe struggling through that situation, like what, where, what's the approach? Well, first thing I would say is like, you know, I think you guys have talked a lot about this in detail is that you first have to understand for a guy like that what it means to make a move like that. Yes. That's a transition. And so if you haven't thought that through and understand right. what it really means to you, mm. not to what it means to the fans, because we're important as fans, but what it means to you to make that transition and right. haven't really thought it through and talked it through to the point that you know why you did it, very clearly, because it's not about the money at this point. Yes. You need right. to say it out loud, it sounds Yeah, like. you need to say your mission. You know, So to really understand why you did that, and there are very good reasons why Durant did that that are beyond money. Right. There yes. have to be. There I think money to, is like yeah, really low. It's low. And you know, certainly it's to play with the best and have the opportunity to win, yeah. but they're internal reasons. Right. And if he can get to those, and he will, if he can get to those, you're going to see the best player show up. But beyond that, it's really about saying we train in mental conditioning to help players to really be in the moment at a more consistent level. Right. It's really about training your brain to clear away the cobwebs and not let any intrusion, whether it's the expectations of, uh, of us talking yeah, about it exactly. or their expectations of their family, to really say, it's me, right. I'm a gladiator, I'm out here right now, what are the things I can do to get inside myself right. and really not even push that other stuff out, but be more centered in the moment. Yes. And then those things like expectations become more relevant, just like they do in the rest of life. Yeah, sure. I, I was, so you just said about tools. Um, living in the present is obviously the most important thing. Fans, everyone else, media, we either talk about your past and we pick it apart or we predict the future and then you can't live up to it. You said having the tools. I imagine that your profession has changed greatly with social media because it used to be, don't listen to the radio, don't watch TV. They turn on the phone, they have notifications, everyone is constantly telling them, what are the tools that are not, don't listen to everybody? Because coaches will say, what's in this room, this is what matters, Everyone, everything else is a distraction. What are some of those tools to get your mind ready? You know, I love this question, man. And the reason I love, I love, I love like, I'm literally, I'm, I'm going to go on the edge of my seat. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Yeah, yeah do it. So, you know, first of all, it's so hard to say, don't do something. Right. Yes. The second I say, hey, listen, don't touch that cup of coffee. Uh, and do I, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't do this. Yeah. If you see a coach come to an athlete and say, look, really, I don't want you to throw that pitch. I don't want you to shoot like that. I don't want you to run like that. I'm going to prove it Actually, you're putting the thought more in the guy's head. Controlling. Like, it's, you're yeah, controlling. You can't control right. in that way. Right. So what do you do? Well, what we try to do in performance psychology is coach people to do something, not not do something. Mm -hmm. You have to say, and this is true of parenting. It's true of anything. People don't learn, as my friend says, you don't teach a dog to, to sit by saying, don't stand, mm. right? <laughs> right? What do you say? Right. Hey, you're trying to approximate, get it closer, right? right? So when you're working with an athlete like that, you're saying, let's work on this to help you center in the moment, okay? Don't, let's not do that. Don't focus on the expectation. Someone right. tells Kevin Durant, don't focus on the expectation. It's going to make it worse for him. Yes. yes. You got to say to him, listen, what I want you to do is we're going to do this routine every day, just like a ball handling routine. 
here's a routine. Every day, let's make up a routine. Not some canned stuff. Like, you may take a technique in my book, like a breathing technique, but we're going to build it around Kevin Durant. Right. We're going to build it around him. You know, one of the things I saw Steph Curry do that I love, I don't know if you guys saw this video, but there's a video of him with his kid. Who, uh, you've seen him with his daughter at a right. press conference. Sure. I mean, it's riveting. Right. You can't turn that Gosh, thing off. Right. I'm like, forget about the game. I want to <laughs> go straight to the press <laughs> right. conference. Right, right. So anyway, one of the things I saw on video, I don't know if you saw this, Sims, or I, I, you probably saw probably this. Probably So I, I think it was before the game. He goes up. He goes up to his daughter, and he's like, and he, and yeah, he, he does the whole thing. Oh, yeah, right, right. And then um, kisses and blows up, yeah. That is someone who's doing something right. to really? get into the moment. Right. Okay, now, if you pull those kind of routines throughout your play, you have a pregame routine. Like LeBron James hitting the, the powder and doing all that. Again, it's his routine. So even though prepared. we see it as something that's like a like a ceremonial thing for them, that might be them refocusing it. It is a ceremonial thing. Mm. Right. It's just a ceremonial thing that also helps you to refocus. Right. Mm. Don't not do something. Yeah. Do something. So no what are you going to do with the with the gloves? Gloves. All you know, anything that helps the guy. You know what? What we work on a lot is is in different sports is breathing, tactical right. breathing. I work with you know FDNY. I work with firefighters. We train the same breathing. It's the same breathing Navy SEALs use. It's the same breathing that you know that you and I might use before we get out and we start talking. I in, do uh, breathing all the time. There you right. go. Because I am someone that meditates. I don't know if Chris is. He's not sweating today. So I'm not you, sweating he's today. Very calm. So I'm with very you calm. Right now. Well, we haven't started dropping the f bomb. <laughs> really but I, I think breathing techniques can change your life in a minute. Definitely. No question. In a minute. Definitely. Um, I want to ask him real quick. We'll well, just because he he's seen sports psychologists, and I'm I'm curious about that well, too. Yeah, but yeah, ask what. Yeah, I, I, and listen, I still talk to a psychologist to this day. It's one of those things where I, I don't understand why. You know, it's such a taboo in our society. And I think that's fading away. It, it helps. It is. It does seem like it's fading away. All right. There's a little bit of a two-part question. First Ooh. of all, you work with a lot of athletes. I want to want to know just general, general, generality. Is that generally? Yeah, generally. There we go. <laughs> Me no speak English very well. Uh, You're doing great, man. Uh, the I guess the best part of it. I, I just want to know what's usually like that first barrier you have to break down with that's athletes. A great question. Yeah. Okay. And then into that, you work with a lot of sports. Who's usually the most mentally messed up out of all the sports? Like, what sports you know, do you usually go? Is it football it's a great players? Question. Of course, I would think it's football players. But in this case, it's definitely not football players. Uh, no, go ahead, because you can so, dash them. You know, no, I mean, so I love your question because it reveals, you know, that you're a professional athlete. Because, first of all, the most important things that is really hard for professional athletes is to understand the difference between old school traditional psychology and the new wave of performance in sports right. psychology. Mm. This is not your mom or dad's psychology. Right. There are no couches. We're not talking about what happened in the past. We're talking about right now, buddy. Right. Right. We're talking about how can you be a better soldier? How can you be a better athlete right now? Yeah. Forget about what happened in the past. Like, you know, certainly your past is relevant. It builds who you are as character, but everybody can improve right now. Sure. So right. the biggest challenge for a professional athlete is to make that transition in their mind and to get courageous and say, you know what? I'm not going to pay attention to any stigma of what happened behind, as you're saying. Right. And, and almost every professional athlete does at this yes, point. Right. But there's still some in certain sports, so that gets to your next question. Right. Here's the thing. Every sport is psychological. Yes. Every single one. There isn't a sport out there. And I work with everyone from, you know, ping pong players to, you know, table tennis players to chess players to poker players to NBA players. Right. I've seen it all. Right. I work with firefighters, you name it. So everything has an element of performance to it. But um, the more time that you're spent in inactivity in a sport, for example, 
at the free throw line. Right. For example, uh, serving in tennis. A kicker during a timeout. A out. kicker, a penalty shot. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's what's deeply, deeply yes. psychological, That's right? Because right. You, you're not reacting. It's not a. It's a no snap. more reaction sport. It's you're thinking about what you're about to go do. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So that's what becomes deeply psychological in any sport. Right. The more time you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to do, you know, at the snap, a linebacker, that's real pure athletic talent right there. You know, right. it's only – and there's there, there are things there that I've helped linebackers do. But, you know, really when you're uh, in those situations that you were mentioned, yeah. so I'd say it's certain parts. So I'd say it's like the kicker in football. Right. That's really psychological. Yeah. And those guys get really messed up. They, um, you know, the, uh, people who are uh, – soccer players have the penalty shot, you know, um, you know, at the free throw line. So I think right. it's certain p- pitching. Certain steeply. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, hugely. There's a ton of standing around. Huge. Right. Yeah, anytime. And also, you know, what's interesting is there's certain sports and certain angles of sports where it becomes more psychological because um, it's standing around, it's waiting, it's thinking. As one yeah. athlete I, I talked about, and here's where I'm, I'm not going to even do it, but thinking is effing horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thinking is effing horrible. Right. You don't want to think, you want to act. One of the great books, you know, uh, that informed my thinking, and I read a lot in you know the past 15 years. I've probably read almost every sports psychology book out there because I'm just a fiend for this. Sure. And I believe in, in my work, I can get better every day. Right. I'm not going to preach it if I don't do it. Right. Yeah. Every day I'm working on it. Every day I do these techniques for myself. You know, before I come on a show like this, I visualize what I'm going to do before I get here. For sure. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, but anyway, but one of the the books, the inner game of tennis, talks about this a lot. Right. right. That. You know, the thinking gets in the way. So what we're training athletes to do, back to your original question, is helping them really to do instead of think, helping them to be in the moment. You right. mentioned meditation. That's a big tool mm. that we use, certainly. But right. how, do you, how do you use these techniques to help people really be in the moment? You, you can't tell an athlete, you know this, uh, just get in the game, you yeah. know, be in the zone. I mean, if I'm a professional athlete, right. I want to really crush that person. Right. But you can say, okay, what was the routine that we practiced? How's your breathing? Right. Um, those kind of things can be really helpful. You, you asked yes. about breaking on the barrier. I know that when I'm interviewing someone that's younger than me, I will curse before the cameras go on to show them how I'm at their level. And I, can al- I also know slang that I will use early on to comfort them. I know that when I was a news reporter and I needed to convince uh, random people on the street that I wasn't going to abuse their power, I had a rundown that I would always say. I'd say, listen, I'm going to talk to you for about two minutes. Of that two minutes, I'm going to use maybe six to seven seconds because while I like what you have to say, I'm going to talk more than you because I'm the one on TV. (laughs) And in that six, seven seconds, I'm only going to use the part where you sound really smart because if I don't, you're probably going to email my boss, and then I'm going to get in trouble, and I just don't want to deal with that stuff. And if you can give me six to seven seconds, that's all I need. And I would say like 80% of the time it would work. I'm curious, do you have a first day with an athlete where you show them, I'm not the scary doctor, I'm not going to rat you out on your team. Like, How do you connect with an athlete and go, trust me, bro, Like, I'm that dude? I love that question, man. I mean, you know, the reality about it is that I think, you know, first of all, the, the way that, uh, that that gets done most of the time is just really being yourself. Yeah. You know, that um, I think a lot of people in my field try to be something they're not. You know, so I try my best just That's to like. That's every field, I feel yeah, like. Try, yeah, I try to just like be myself. And also, one of the ways that I'm different and that we're different in performance sports psychology is I'm just a dude. You know, I mean, like, I just 
yeah. talk about myself. I like sports. Right. right. Uh, you know, and also, you know, the, the other big difference with professional athletes is to treat them like people. Like a lot of people. The biggest when, thing. Yeah. A lot of people, what happens is, you know, you're with an athlete, a professional athlete, and you're like, oh, I'm going to treat this guy like a professional athlete. In my experience, athletes want to be treated like humans. And so I always think people first. You know, one yeah. of the best quotes I ever wrote this, and this is from a professional baseball player, said to me, listen, you know, people have to know that you care right. before they care what you know. Yeah. People have to know that you that's care really before yeah. they that's care a what great, you know. That's a great phrase. So what you did masterfully, I think, Lefko, is that basically you came up and you said, I'm going to be transparent. Like, yeah. this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I just come and tell people. And, and also, I, you know, I curse. I'm natural. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm myself. And, and that, I think, is the most helpful thing. Because people really want authenticity. They want to be knowing that they're going to talk. Look, I'm from New York. You come up to people and you say, trust me, bro. Yeah. They're running as fast <laughs> as they can. <laughs> right? So you, so you kind of got to show that you're a trustworthy yeah, person sure. by just being natural and just right. telling them about yourself. People like to know a little bit about how you got here, sure. too. Um, and so, you know, I start with the relationship first. I, I feel like I'm not unlikely to help someone right. unless I know what they want, number one. So uh, one way that I start with athletes right. is, I, and we, this is like about Durant, is, you know, I, I really try to figure out what they're passionate about before I say anything. Like, I'm not trying to tell them, hey, let's do this breathing technique. Let's do visualization. Right. All that stuff is irrelevant. Like, I need to know why they play. Why do you play basketball? Yeah. And they look at me like, what the? Well, yeah, what you, right. But no, I really want to know. Yeah. What do you mean? Why? I'm in the. NBA, like yeah, what, yeah, no, 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 but why, why? There it is. Sorry, man. <laughs> I kind of whispered it. I got you. Guys, I know, I know, but we got it. We're gonna amplify it when it comes. <laughs> right, don't worry. Auto tune it. Auto tune <laughs> yeah, it. So it's it's like, like, but they're saying like, why would I not want to be in the NBA? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, but really, you have to start breaking it down. You got to break it down right. for them. You have to say, and the the, the athletes. I'm, you know, it was interesting uh, hearing you guys talk because I think you had a really interesting conversation about about Kevin. Is just the idea of like. Uh, why do people make these switches? Right. Oftentimes people get awkward in sports, in any line of work, and they don't want to address the true issue. I've seen this happen with coaching. You know, just get to the bottom of yeah, it. You know, right. why, why are you doing this? Why are you motivated? What, do you, what, what makes you tick? Everyone wants to win a championship, right. but the reason they want to win a championship yeah. is different. Do you do want they, to be the greatest of all time, or do you just want the pressure off your back, whatever exactly. it is? Exactly. Yeah, right. Do you, are you doing this for your kids? Right. Why are you doing it for your kids? Right. Oh, because you want to show, because you want them to have a trophy in their house? What do you, and, and some people don't even know. You'd be surprised how many professional athletes. I, I can imagine. Yeah, you've had a, a I, similar. I feel like, yeah. Don't even know their purpose. Yeah, they yeah. just were, yeah. I, why do you play football? I just like playing it. And you, I'd be like, really? That's it? Because I so was always was like, answer that I was, uh, my friends at Texas though used to make fun of me because they go, because I made it known like my sophomore year, like I, I'm playing football to be like the greatest of all time. I'm not like playing it to be like, oh, I made it to the NFL. Good job. I mean, that was normal life in my house. My yeah. dad was Phil Simms. So yeah. playing right. in the NFL, I, and I would say that and they'd be like, yeah, I you know, my friends would always like, yeah, I love that Sims. Yeah. He wants to be the greatest of all time. They'd say that's like stuff to me. Uh, but yeah, I just figured, listen, this is what I do. This is what I love. Uh, and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to attack it with the right mindset and work hard at it. And yeah, I want to be the guy on NFL films that's like in the cold, wintered hallows. Yeah. And of course, that didn't happen. And now I'm stuck next to you too. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of motivation that, that keeps people really uh, for sure locked in. And also, you know, it keeps people enjoying things, mm. right, which is really hard. Look, I mean, you know, I mean, playing every day is hard work. Right. We, we forget that, right? You know, you're playing. It is hard work to get out there and, and you know, we, we think, oh, yeah, you know, okay. It's like, playing. It's, playing. Uh, it's just but, playing. But, you know, to be the best, as you right. well know, oh, the you the have stuff. to train. There's a thing we talk about in performance psychology, the iceberg effect. Right, which is that you know you look at a, a professional athlete, they're like, oh, he's so great, 
but really what you don't see is that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There is like, you know, 15 to 20 a years. A lot of the water there. Yeah, of right. work to get there. Yeah, that right. was, And a lot of that work, as you're saying, is, is mental conditioning. It's, yeah. you know, athletes sometimes don't think of it that way, but it's all the work that they had to do to, to get themselves past a loss. Yeah. Um, you know, you can think back to your career, I'm sure, and think of things that didn't go the way you wanted them to go. Right. And you had to come and compete the next day. Yes. And it's those people that train for that mentally, right. that train to have resetting routines, that train to be beyond the moment and really be present, um, that I, I've seen be able to overcome that. I, hey, all right, well, uh, can, I, can I interject? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I think your question is deeper than mine. Is there an athlete out there in professional sports, especially in American sports right now, that you go, man, their approach, their mental makeup is all wrong, but somehow they're still successful. Is there anybody out there where you're sometimes like, I don't know how he does it because he's narcissistic in interviews and whatever else. I mean, is there anybody out there that jumps out to you like that where you go, you know, it's going to end for this guy one day and he keeps proving you wrong? I mean, I, I just First wondered. guy that came to my mind was like Cristiano Ronaldo. I even thought about LeBron. Like, is LeBron and his approach a little? But, yeah, Ronaldo would yeah, be another guy. Yeah, you know, guy. Ronaldo is a guy. I think both of those guys are guys that I would think that fit the criteria. I think Ronaldo because um, – well, this is really interesting, but I actually think in a lot of situations, kind of being full of yourself can really help. Yeah, um, I and, agree. In athletes, and and it depends on how people utilize that. Right. There was an interesting study that came out actually about this that showed that mental skills training right. is more effective when people are kind of full of themselves. Huh. So for those people that you know have that sense of themselves, right. So I think there is something there. We haven't really completely unpacked it, but what I'll say is, you know, what I say to athletes all the time is. Confidence is on the inside, arrogance is on the outside. Right. So there is in some way a connection between the two. Right. Right. But it's tenuous. It's you know, it's not always there. Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, so it's like you gotta be I mean it's it's an interesting question because I think you it helps to be right. to have that sense of yourself like I'm the best. But I think the core what we know is that confidence, true confidence, yeah. is one of the biggest predictors of athletic success, all things being equal. Yeah, right. Like your ability to really believe in yourself, yeah. uh, it gets back to our expectations, yeah, right? right. So fundamental belief that you can do something yeah. is highly predictive in all areas of life of right. being able to do it. And, and what people don't understand is that's trainable. Yeah, right. I think right. what's really funny is like a, a bloated confidence can, it can give you the vision where you have, you're foreseeing your future of success, which is a huge technique that you're talking about. And I also think the people that are too ignorant that are, don't even want to do it, sometimes being so ignorant means you're constantly living in the present. You're not thinking about the past. You're not worried about the future because you're just, oh, this is what I do. I don't right. need to do it because I'm just right. there. Totally right. insightful. Yeah, that, that's it. Like if you can, if you're that kind of mentality where you're like, I don't care about anything, yeah. it can help you to do what we were talking about before sometimes, which is like not care. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, you were talking about like tra traumatic moments, and I think this is something that we saw with Kevin Durant, that we saw with LeBron, that I can't even imagine facing this as a human. Kevin Durant makes this decision. Oklahoma City freaks out. There's videos of people throwing their jerseys on his doorstep. There's people setting fire to his jerseys. There's a video of, some, of three people using automatic weapons to shoot Kevin Durant's jersey. Let's be honest. Wow, I didn't there's see a, that there's one. a lot of racial tension in there. There's a lot of pent up angst that it's on those people projecting it towards an athlete. He's going to come there with all the pressure, but also with these images. How many times did we see LeBron James's jersey get set up in flames when right. he came back to Cleveland? That, to me, is something that would really, it would scare me. Like, I'd have a lot of fear. And I'm curious what, what kind of an impact do you think that could have on an athlete? And then how do you even broach that topic? Because this is unsafety. This isn't even just about motivation. This is about your body, your mind, your Did your you just say being. unsafety? 
Did you say unsafety? Unsafe. <laughs> He's talking about a new uh, That's a new NFL word position, they use. Oh, actually. Unsafety, yeah. right. Yeah. You don't make tackles. You're <laughs> unsafety. 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 Gosh, dang. Uh, yeah, he just what, invented it, man. I mean, give him credit. But of, of that topic, though, how do you even broach that? I, you know, do I, they have to bring it up to you? First of all, you know, I'll just say it's the same attitude I have to working with elite first responders. Tremendous respect for what you do. Right. So I'm not I, – look. I, I first have to say before anything else I say, I've got tremendous respect for Kevin Durant. I've yeah. got tremendous respect for his decision. Yeah. Um, and so that's where my thinking comes from. Everything I'm going to say, I have to say that. Sure. And, and I would say that to him if he was right here. Right. I, I think that it takes a tremendous athlete to be able to overcome your fear in general. Um, and, you know, I think it was, um, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Mike Tyson's trainer who said, look, you know, or maybe Mike Tyson who said, you know, fear uh, is a tremendous tool. It's like fire. Yeah. You can use it to, to, to warm yourself, to cook, or it can burn your whole house down. Right. Mm. And so how you transform that energy dictates right. what happens in your next performance. So it's all right. useful. It's, it can be. So right. what I would just say is, you know, we're built with fear. We don't need people to shoot, you know, we don't need people to leave jerseys on our thing. Like, yeah. he doesn't need that to feel some type of what we call physiological arousal. Right. right? You know, I was fear-driven, I felt, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I had the confidence, but I was also woken up in the morning by my fear. Well, how did you transform it? Like, well, what did you do? I just, I, I would, I mean, the thing that would wake me up in the morning some days would be like, okay, damn, I got to get, get there. Like, you know, blah, 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 quarterbacks might be working already. Uh, I want to be that good. I want to be the starting quarterback of my own team. Uh, I would think about my family, things like that. And, like, I don't want to let them down. But then I felt like once the day got going, then I was like, okay, here we go. I'm Chris Sims. Going to have a good work day here. I'm going to I'm gonna outwork everybody in this building today. I know that. All the players, did whatever it may be. negative comments uh, I might, too. I did, like especially that? early on in my career. I got away from that where I would be like, oh, I remember when this reporter at Texas said I would never be the starting quarterback. Oh, yeah, I'm the starter now. But I also felt like that sometimes got me off the path yeah. I wanted to go on because yeah. I was worried about the anger and, right. like, paying them back. So I got away from that as I got older. But, uh, yeah, fear, I felt, in a lot of cases was like, oh, wait, I didn't throw the comeback real well. I'm fearful I might not throw it well on third and 15. I'm going to go practice it 100 times today. So, you know, what you're pointing out is sort of an answer to your question, right, which is, look, th that's self-talk. I'm Chris Sims, and I'm going to outwork everybody in the building. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty powerful to be saying that to yourself. So, you know, when you think about Durant, you know, he's got to have a way that he's going to respond mentally. Just ignoring it is not a great way. Yeah. Right? So you've got to have a way that you're going to respond mentally to it. Right? It could, it could say, you know, I'm doing this for the glory. He has to have a way that he's saying to right. himself what the message is that right. he's doing. Right. Or it could just be this game. Right? This moment. Right. Not, not the fact that I had. So when you look, I mean, going back to what I was saying before about, um, you know, working with firefighters or elite military people, it's sort of a, a similar situation, right? You know, but even more ramped up. Now yeah. your life is on the yeah, line. Yeah, I was going to say, Your geez, life right. is on the line, right? So what do you do? Well, a similar thing, right? You have to say, let me focus on the things I can control. What can I do? Right. I can't control what these other people do. Right? So I'm not going to spend my time doing that. Right. I'm not going to not think about it. What I'm going to do is focus on my routine. Right? Today, I'm going to, like, I'm Chris Sims. <laughs> I'm going to outwork everybody. Today, what I'm going to focus on is I'm going to outwork everybody. Right. Today, what my job is, I'm going to do my best to improve my relationship with Steph Curry. That's right. what I'm going to do. Right. Like, that's something I can control. Yeah, yeah. I can control this. 
I'm gonna, and you might even think about it in that way. Right. But I'm gonna, it's me and Steph today. Is that the biggest difference between athletes and everybody else? Is the ability to reinforce that message on a daily basis? The athletes that make it. You know, the athletes that really get there, that's the difference. I would say it's the difference between athletes. Right. You know, because as you, as you guys know, being, you know, experts at all the sports and talking to so many people, there's this funnel that comes up. And in some sports, it's more extreme than others. Uh, but, you know, when it gets to a certain level, people are athletically similar. Right. Um, and what really separates people is the ability to adjust to the random, randomness of the sport, right? Lots of stuff. You know, things doesn't happen. We've seen that in the Super Bowls in the past yeah. couple of years. Man, yeah. like, w did we expect those choices, these things to happen? The unhappen? lights to go out, all that crap. All we this, got it all. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Your, you know, your ability um, at the highest level of play, and by the way, this is other areas of life, as I write about in the book. It can be anything. You know, what, what, what separates you from other people is how you adjust to adversity. Your mindset, the word that, you know, that Sims you were using before, what's your mindset and how much are you working to develop your mindset to be prepared for the adversity before it comes. If you're right. waiting to the, for the problem to happen, Ooh, you're, right. you're, you're screwed. Behind, you yeah. are way behind. Yeah, right. So you know ahead of time, this is how I'm gonna, this is how I'm gonna react. Right. And, and I've practiced that reaction. I've known, like, I know this is how I'm gonna breathe when, when stuff goes haywire. Yeah. I know this is how I'm gonna think. Because uh, I've drilled it a million times. It's right. just like I know when, you know, if, if you know, I have a guy charging at me at like you know 19 miles an hour, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm not going to think about that at the right. last second. I right. have a general what are you idea. Duck down and kick him in the legs and make him trip or exactly. something like that, right? Exactly yeah. right there. That's what I bite. would do. Bite, bite. I thought of that situation. I'm there with you. All right, all right I want to. Uh, right, we just so, get one more. All right, I just want one specific thing <laughs> out, because guys. you, of course, work with the Mets a lot and all the you know. Of course, can't talk a lot about. I don't want to talk about any specific players. Yeah. The pitchers are phenomenal. That's where I would just like to ask about pitchers in general a little bit. You know, do you find one that, uh, do they come to you more when they're struggling? Uh, or do they come to you more when everything's going great and they want to keep that train rolling? I'd like to hear that and just kind of just some of the struggles and tribulations you got to go well, through You know, there. it's really interesting. I mean, I think what, what you bring up, Sims, is back to our other point. You know, pitching. Right. Is, I think, probably the most psychological. I would imagine. I mean. any uh, sport and the reason is this you know with baseball what's so fascinating about baseball and I think we don't think about this a lot is it's one of the only sports where the defense has active possession of the ball yeah right right, right. think about it right, right. so sure. that changes the psychology of everything number right. one and number two uh, what's really interesting about it is you know a pitcher yeah is in the serving motion the entire game. Right. It's just serve after serve. Right. So you see what happens. Like I was watching the, you know, I, I rewatched the the Serena Williams game, you know, where she lost to Vinci. And, mm. uh, you know, when you see her getting ready to serve, you can see the deep torment that you can be in if you don't have a routine to get through that struggle. Right. So what you find with, with pitchers across the spectrum, and you know, I work with a lot of college pitchers too, where this is really, really mm, prominent. Right. Because development. Because of development. Yeah. Is you know, a lot of the college pitchers will come to me um, at a point where they actually have figured something out sometimes, right? Because they're like, I want to keep this. Um, right. And so, like, I just noticed I keep, I keep this. And they realize at that point, right. that's when they realize it's psychological. Right. They're almost too vulnerable when it's like things are uh, not yeah, yeah, working. Not, yeah, right, right. They almost don't want to talk to you. But, you know, when, when, when someone realizes, like, I've, I've made an adjustment, sometimes they're like, how did, I, right. how did I do that? And they are expecting you to talk in a deeply psychological way. And I'm like, 
let me t let, let's find out what you did. Right. But what usually comes out, right? Because I believe people are the best experts on themselves. I've got you know many years into doing this work, but every day. I learn from elite athletes in various sports. Yeah, sure. And so they'll teach me, well, well, this is the thing I know to do, and then we'll build on it. As I said before, you know, if you're working with someone like Kevin Durant, building things from scratch, that's stupid, right? You know, this is a guy who's an elite player. Yes, right. Like, you don't start from the beginning. You right. really start from where they're at and then say, hey, let's add this and see how that helps you to stay yeah, in the moment. Yeah, right. Generally speaking, with pitching, as you're right. talking about, or with basketball, less is more. Um, you know, the simpler the, the process. Right. The, you know, people. Because the thoughts are going to be complicated as it is. I mean, exactly. it's, it's three and two, it's two outs, it's the fifth inning, he's made and, solid contact and it's Barry Bonds, and I can't pitch him inside or he's going to hit a home run. I can't imagine that. I really can't. Well, you know, it's interesting. Because they know, say that to me sometimes. They're like, you had to throw strikes with Julius Peppers coming down. And I'd be like, I, I don't know. That seemed easier to me than having to sit there and go, i got to throw it right there on this pitch right here. Nolan Ryan. Right. Okay, Nolan Ryan, what Nolan Ryan's quote that's attributed to him is, a pitcher has two jobs. Choosing your pitch right. and executing it. Yeah, right. Everything else is outside of your control. And so what most people don't realize and don't practice for is, you know, people have heard, you've heard, I'm sure, the idea of pitching being this evolved game of, of, of catch. But that's really fundamentally true. Mm -hmm. It's not your job to strike a guy out. Right. That's his job. Right. But what you want to really do is focus on executing the best pitch right. you can. And so that's no, deeply, like that deeply, deeply, right. deeply psychological. Right. Um, and mm. I'm not talking about, again, not your mom's psychology. If he this gets is a hit, that was him doing something well. Yeah. It wasn't you putting it in a place it wasn't made. Exactly. So people basically... So, you know, pitchers, I think, some people do a good job at saying, well, I was beat, I tip my hat to him. Right. I give them credit for doing that. Right. But there's a deeper level of that, which is to say... Okay, did I choose the pitch I wanted to? Did I put it where I wanted it to go? Right. If so, all right, on yeah. to the next guy. So and good. people like Mariano Rivera, now that, I thought you were going to ask me, like, is there a guy that you totally like, respect the mentality of? That guy, oh my God. Really, how come? The Sandman, baby. I yeah. know, we all know It Mariano didn't matter. Yeah. Well, it just didn't matter. I know what you're going to say. his viewpoint. Yeah, all right, so let me just see if I can guess it. Just to yeah, start out. I mean, from his standpoint, it was, you're supposed to come in here and strike everybody out. He did it game after game. He threw the same pitch. They knew exactly what was coming, but he executed and played catch with the catcher. He played with catch with the catcher. You know, right. the guy, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I always joke around and I say it's like, you know, relievers and starters, it's kind of two people. It's people that feel okay with leaving their house with the bed unmade and people <laughs> that have to leave the house with their bed made. So starters have to leave the house with the bed made. Right. The relievers are like, uh, you yeah, know, like, okay. uh, whatever. And the true relievers <laughs> can leave their house with their, like, you know, just uh, stuff all over the place. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter, right? Like, I'm going in there right. and I'm doing this. Right. And I don't, there's like, you know, You've got like a, a running back on first base. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't care if you right. have an Olympic sprinter on first yeah. base. Right. I'm, this is the guy I'm getting out. I'm gonna yeah. throw 100 miles per hour and get I'm him this out. guy. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that mentality uh, can be cultivated, but there's a certain kind of person that also takes to it, as you, you sure. guys know. Right. So you know, being able to really do that and, and stay in the moment, it's trainable. And that's why I talk about in the book and and what I'm really into is helping athletes to get at that and understand that there are things they can do to leverage their ability in that. Right. Moment. All right. right. So the, I want to wrap it up with this of course this how long has this book been out now it just came out last month oh my gosh yeah. life of sport i'm going to definitely read it my question is this as i've looked into a lot more mindfulness as i've learned a lot about athletes and the way they because i always think athletes are crazy just the way they've been able to do it 
so much of the tips that we're always taught are cliches. And there are these like really obvious things that everyone needs to do. And I think that makes it a little bit more tough to handle as someone who's trying to grow. Is like I've lost some weight lately, and it's funny because like I use that as the example. When you see like a blog that's like five ways to lose weight, it's like eat healthy, work out, drink water, get good sleep, whatever. But I feel like some people that are afraid of taking that journey are waiting for it to say, eat a blueberry at 233. Like they're waiting, waiting for this cheat code. Oh, right. And I imagine that a lot of what's in your book, people are going to go, well, of course I need to focus in the present, not worry about the past and the future. And of course that I should attack today like today. And I think that's the hardest part for people to comprehend is it's so simple, yet it's so effective. And I'm curious from your standpoint, what can people do to accept it more and, and not be overwhelmed with the fact that they already know the answer to it to achieve more in their life, yet they're just not willing to do it. I'm about to give you the fattest blueberry you've ever oh. eaten. Ready, <laughs> sit back, man. You got, give this guy a bib. Uh, literally, so, <laughs> literally, literally, it's very simple. Yeah. There are three elements for success in any line of work. The why, the what, and the how. Yeah. Mm. Very simple. Right. The why, the what, and the how. Okay, so typically where people, as far as most people get in sports and life is the what. Yeah. I know what I need to do. You ask anybody, okay, you need to lose weight. job description. Yeah, 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 what I need to do. I need to lose weight, that's simple. Exercise and diet, and actually right. mostly diet. Mostly probably 80% diet, 20% yeah. exercise, right? So that's the what. The real issue is that most people don't have the other components. That's the why. The why yeah. and the how. Yeah, I have a friend, Alex, so, who is my guy that checks me whenever my ego gets big. And for the last two months, he goes, what's your purpose? That's what's it. What's your purpose? What's your why? And I literally will take time and sit out and go, I'm doing it today. I'm going to write it out. I'm gonna get, you know what I haven't done for two months? Write down my purpose. But you know what? And it's killing me inside. But you know what? You're like, it, psychology speaking, you're more likely to do it now that you said it to Sims. Yeah, right. Yeah, the fact I, that you said I'm it. I'm a crazy person. Well, I'm going to call him. We're going to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I get it. it. <laughs> but so, so the other things are the so the why. So people, as we talk about in life of sport, you know, the science shows if you know, as we talked about before, your reason for doing something, right. you're more likely mm. to stick to it. Right. Whatever the change you're trying to make, yeah. sports, diet, life. That's yeah. number one. And the third one is you need to write down the how very specifically. Right. It can't be like, I'm going to go to the gym. I don't even know what that means. Right. I'm going to go to the gym at this time, and this is the guy, I'm going to go with Sims once a week because I know if he's there, I'm going to go. Right. And, and by the way, I'm going to do this other thing, I'm going to have a coach, whatever it is. I'm going to write it out, I'm going to look at it every day. Right. Yeah. Because you know, there's going to be a day where you're going to get sick, and you're going to vacation, you're just not going to feel like it. Right. And if you don't know, if you know, look, we all brushed our teeth, well, I'm assuming, Right. Yeah. Uh, we all got dressed in the morning because that was rote. Mm. It's just like the how is very simple. Yes. You got to make the how very simple for your t for your goal for the change in life. Diet. And this is with everything. With jobs, everything. career, everything. happiness, totally. all that stuff. If you want to make more money, you got to talk about. You can't just talk about what you want to do. It has yeah. to be the specific plan, and you have to know your why. You, I mm. talk about power values. Right. You got to know at a deep level what what's the value. Yeah. Like why are you doing this? And saying it's for your kids, saying it's for because you want to be your best self. Sounds good, but that's not the answer. Nah, you got to really talk about this. Is this about glory? Is this about faith? Is this about right. um, you know mastery? Like and why? What? How? You know, this is your one chance at it. So yeah. why do you want to do it? Right. Awesome. Yeah. I have like a million more questions. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm going yeah. to send you emails. We we'll probably have you back. I will. Man, sports. We're going to have a lot of blueberries at the end. My of this. man, Doctor Fader in the building again. I'm sure it's on Amazon. I'm sure on it's on Amazon, local bookstores. Yeah. Uh, life 
as sport. Go and check it out. You are the dude. This was episode seventy. Oh, episode seventy. Here. Does he have a Does he have a seventy on a, a, any sports seventies? You got any seventies on the jersey 70 numbers? You call one. I'm putting you Not on the spot. That's a really hard one. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Seventies or something. Seventies hard. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> next time you give me a different number. Next time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Fendrick. <laughs> Uh, actually, so next Monday, we're doing an episode with Rob Corddry. Right. Hilarious Funny. actor that's going to be on The Ballers. Week after that, I've already booked my guy, Rich Cohen, my like favorite author right now. He's the one that did that Bears book. Yeah. He also was on tour with the Rolling Stones for 10 years. Cool. So we're going to have a lot to talk about with him. Right. Uh, those will be episodes 71 and 72. As always, please subscribe on iTunes. Rate this. Share it with your friends. The more people that find out, the better. Uh, and Fendrick will be back next week. Maybe. Unfortunately. And if he is, we are just going to bust his balls mercilessly. Oh, he needs to be killed. Doctor, you are the man. That's a little a over the top. Peace. Uh, control room, <laughs> you guys were great. Uh, love you as always, always. Michelle, way to hold it down. Bruffo, Jake, Mike, you guys are awesome. Uh, as always, love you. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko. Have a great day.